Hello, Jackson Hole Connection followers. Welcome to episode number 14. Thank you so much for your support over the past two months since I began this adventure. The feedback I've received has been inspiring for me to continue to record more episodes. I've certainly learned a ton about recording, interviewing, and being organized. I know the sound for all of the episodes have not been pristine, to say the least. I've had feedback issues popping and cracking. I forgot to turn on someone's mic for a few recordings. The first episode I had to record twice because there was so much electric feedback you couldn't hear anything. Even with all of the setbacks, I've remained on course to provide wonderful content we can all learn from. Each interview I learned so much from my guests and I hope you have as well. Please sign up for episode updates at my website, thejacksonholeconnection.com. And if you'd like to be a guest or know of someone I should have as a guest, send an email to connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Now, on to my guest for episode number 14, Bob Fusiak. Bob arrived in Jackson Hole over 24 years ago. He started working at the Ward Hotel, moved over to Snake River Brewing Company as a bartender, and over time, earned the title of general manager. Started off with a few people under his management, and at the end, oversaw a staff of over 60 people. Bob had a life-changing experience, which inspired him to become an entrepreneur, and is now the co-creator and CEO of Arms Reach Industries, the maker of the Night Caddy. Bob will share with us his journey and the reality of being an entrepreneur and building a business from seed to success. But before we begin, I have a quick word from one of my sponsors. Jackson Hole Marketplace, the small market in Jackson Hole with a huge reach. Stop in for hot coffee and homemade breakfast in the morning, awesome lunches in the afternoon, and finish the day with a soft serve ice cream and a six pack of beer. Need catering for breakfast or lunch? They can do it and deliver for free. Wanna know more? Visit jhmarketplace.com. Bob, welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm thrilled and excited to have you here today and looking forward to learning and sharing your story with everyone. Thank you, Stefan. I really appreciate the opportunity to join you today. So Bob, tell me, you've been here in Jackson Hole just after you graduated from college, Penn State. Uh, go Nittany Lions. Yeah, they uh, started strong this season and uh, hit a little bit of turbulence, to say the least. I am an Alabama grad, so roll tide. But I did get to see Joe Paterno coach a game at the University of Alabama against Alabama several years ago. It was his last season, so that was a big win for me. Woohoo! Well, you know, it's uh, Bama fans, I don't want to say have it easy, but from everybody else's perspective, uh, yeah, you guys have it easy. <laughs> just always win, just like the Patriots. Nothing is easy out there. But let's get back to why you're here in Jackson Hole. So you graduated college and moved here. How did you find Jackson Hole? Uh, well, I was uh, while I was in college, I was uh, getting into mountain biking, and I was skiing on the little hills in the East Coast and doing some rock climbing and all the outdoor pursuits that people do. Um, and a lot of friends were moving out west to, say, Salt Lake City or to the Denver area to... Uh, enjoy the outside and I just thought you know if we're on the East Coast Jackson is an area that looks like it doesn't have major cities around it you know I'd never been out here this is before high-speed internet Um, I asked the Chamber of Commerce for some information on Jackson I got a bunch of info and I said wow so the biggest ski area in the lower 48 states has the least amount of people around it I'm gonna just go give that a shot and uh, you know mountain biking snowboarding and all the things that you can do. And so I graduated in the summer 
and I had uh, analyzed the economy and said, hey, if, if there's this many people out there in the summer and they're open until the middle of October, then getting there right after Labor Day should provide an opportunity with the college kids leaving to, to get a job. And so uh, my first job was at the Ward Hotel. I worked a triple split shift, had plenty of food in my fridge, made a couple hundred bucks cash and said, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> How many years later now? Uh, it'll date me a bit, but 24. 24 years. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Great attribute to our community. And I love the fact that you, re- as a college student, you had the wherewithal to reach out to the Chamber of Commerce to obtain some information about the community you wanted to move to. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit easier now with a Google search, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, they were very helpful. When you landed here, you started off with the wart, but over time... You worked at the Brew Pub. I remember that's the first time that I met you when you were behind the bar at the Brew Pub. And now you're an entrepreneur. So give us all a little snapshot of how you progressed at the Brew Pub and then how you got into becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, Well, I was at the Ward Hotel um, and uh, I actually worked at the Mary Piglet's for uh, Joe Rice for uh, some years as well. And uh, was kind of ski bumming it a bit. And Snake River had uh, just opened recently. And I just uh, kind of had an inside line that they were gonna be losing some people to turnover for the first time in the company's history after a couple of years. And so I thought, uh, to use the analogy, I, th- I just saw a lot of opportunity at that um, business and thought it'd be better to be a small fish in a potentially big pond than at the top of uh, you know, the server and uh, things at the wart. So I uh, was hired on as a server at Snake River, talked my way into bartending the before I started as a server because I saw that there were some bartending shifts on the schedule. And, um, you know, just was uh, really happy to keep ski bumming as a bartender, uh, sort of passed on the assistant manager job a couple of times and uh, told the GM at the time, Dave Gibson, give a shout out, that uh, I wanted his job if I was going to do management. So, you know, two and a half years after bartending, he did actually resign. And, um, you know, the long story short is I uh, became the GM back in uh, the early 2000s. You know, that was awesome. We, uh, some of you may remember the club pub and the uh, tweak retreat and all the parties we used to throw, uh, you know, Vegas style. And um, then Johnny and Al Upshur were looking to sell and they, um, at the end of 2006, there was an ownership transition that I helped manage with the uh, rest of the team there. You know, as the economy was kind of looking shaky, we, uh, the, the owners, the Starks, decided to do a remodel, and we did a significant remodel to the facility, which is how it uh, looks now. You know, we improved the, the seating capacity, added air conditioning, improved the kitchen, and uh, really had tremendous success, even though the rest of the global economy was kind of turbulent. I guess along that whole story, back almost 20 years ago, I was almost hit by a vehicle while riding my uh, bicycle. And so I thought, you know, it'd be cool if there was a way to have mirrors that flipped out of your glasses. And that ended up being my first patent. And um, it wasn't until 2013, when Google Glass was getting some traction, that I decided to take the entrepreneurial plunge and go all in to um, launch a wearable technology company. Um, I ended up in, in that uh, time at the brewery getting four additional patents, um, kind of based on this pivoting technology to allow 
um, cameras and displays to dock in the temple arm of uh, what would otherwise be conventional sunglasses and flip out when you need it. And so uh, I, th- I saw it as a better version of um, Google Glass before Google Glass was even a thing. That was the catalyst for me to uh, take off in 2013 to start my own thing. Wow, big journey. And you probably learned so much at the Brew Pub. But at a certain point, you realized that you had a lot of ideas. You said that you have four patents. It's a total of five patents with um, eyewear, four of which are related to wearable technology. Um, and then uh, with the other company I'm focused on uh, in the past year, um, we've got some additional patents also. So uh, my name, I think, is on six or six. six yes. Six patents. Congratulations. Thank Most you. people would not know where to begin to even file for a patent. And I'm sure that was quite a learning experience, getting into and becoming an entrepreneur. So now you are full-time entrepreneur, and you mentioned that the eyeglass wear did not take the direction that you wanted it to. So now you have a new company, Arms Reach Industries. You have the Night Caddy. And... Tell us how the Night Caddy became what it is. Where did this idea come from? So this is a bit of a even longer tale than the brew pub. So I left the um, resigned from Snake River Brewing to pursue uh, then was Hindsight Industries, which has the patents for the wearable technology. And I had intended to get SBIR funding with the help of one of my mentors, Bob Viola at Square One Systems, he has had uh, significant success in building his robotics company based on this um, funding program from the federal government. Uh, It's a $2 billion uh, grant program by which small businesses that have technology that's relevant to either the Department of Defense, uh, National Institute of Health, National Science Foundation, or other agencies um, can propose Uh, their technology to the government and meet certain requirements to get funding. So um, I was fortunate to have um, a couple of phase zero grants from the Wyoming Business Council and uh, the University of Wyoming to help develop uh, night vision glasses for DARPA and smart safety glasses for the National Science Foundation. Uh, However, those grants weren't funded on the federal level. So looking uh, to find uh, a partner to help move the glasses forward. I did um, find a partner in 2015. We formed a company called Omni Wearables to commercialize Hindsight Industries patent portfolio. About six months before that, I um, was a student at the startup. It was then Institute, and now it's a startup intensive, uh, working with Sandy Hessler and Liza Millett. And, you know, I have a lot of, um, a lot of ideas and a lot of applications for what this wearable technology can do. So we decided, um, since Google Glass was kind of struggling with uh, their creepy fixed camera design, you know, we removed the um, displays from uh, my prototypes and just focused on a GoPro that flipped out of the glasses when you needed it. So um, it's kind of a thumb knuckle sized GoPro. Um, while all that was happening and, and, the, and the grants were happening, I attended a Google startup weekend in Idaho Falls Idaho. Now I said, okay, it's a startup weekend. I'll find 
uh, like-minded startups. You know, I have CAD software and 3D printers, and maybe I'll find some engineers, and we can work together and help each other's companies. Well, it was uh, a startup uh, weekend, like a hackathon, that was literally like napkin doodle or less ideas. So it was for, for budding entrepreneurs and people with ideas. So I'm in Idaho Falls, it's in October, it's dark, and I'm tired, and uh, I'm not going home. So I'm sitting there with my computer that runs the software uh, to do CAD, and I said, if I can find a group of people that have an idea that I think I can design and uh, you know make it cost-effective and sell it for 40 bucks or less, that's my group. And so um, out of the 80 people, one, one group had an idea for a bedside organizer that was actually a firearms holster and water holder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great that, combination. <laughs> yeah. And I said, there's a lot of potential in that product. However, going through a complicated wearable technology company, I'm thinking less is more. How can we make this simple? Let's look at this as a bedside organizer and target college students in top bunks that need storage. You know, it was a, uh, like I said, was a, I believe it was 54 hours, a Thursday night to a Saturday. That first night, couldn't sleep and designed our first, uh, what would be our prototype and photorealistically rendered it. The next morning, we, uh, I showed it to the team. They loved it. Uh, they went to Bed Bath & Beyond and had uh, over 100 surveys done about what the customers, what are the essentials next to your bed. Uh, the, the response was, the top four were a tablet, a phone, water, and your glasses. Uh, and it's kind of glasses were tied with the remote. Uh, the long, really, really long story short is I was able to 3D print a prototype over the weekend and bring it back for the tech check and mm. the pitch competition, and we won. Awesome. So, <laughs> my partners went on to do a, uh, a couple other pitch competitions. We won some money to form a company. Uh, we did an unsuccessful Kickstarter in 2015. We uh, replaced our founding engineer with a new genius, uh, Dave Phelps, who's getting his aerospace master's degree this semester. Uh, he uh, combined some of the features into what is now patent pending. We went back to Kickstarter at the end of 2016 while I was working on developing the wearable technology Kickstarter that we were launching in 2017. So my focus was on the eyewear. I was not the CEO of this company at this time. We had a successful Kickstarter campaign and sold almost 1,400 units in 30 days on Kickstarter at the end of 2016. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, without getting into too, mon too many details, as I said, I wasn't uh, driving the company at the time, but we came up short on some cash for deliverables for underestimating some costs on Kickstarter, which happens frequently on Kickstarter. So as the eyewear uh, Kickstarter campaign for the wearable camera didn't go as big as we needed it to go in June of 2017, I then went on to try and find funding for the wearable technology, additional funding, which I did not find. And uh, about a year ago, the Night Caddy was sitting there with a third of its Kickstarter deliverables not delivered. So my name was attached to basically a fraudulent you know, Kickstarter campaign, in my mind, I thought, because we didn't meet uh, our commitment to our customers. Mm -hmm. So I found uh, investors for the uh, the Night Caddy. They like my plan and they like me as an entrepreneur and said, we'll do this if you take over as CEO. First thing we did was deliver our Kickstarter 
deliverables. Then we did 2,000 units of the night caddy at the end of last year, and uh, we are currently um, have two 3,000 unit orders. Uh, one just got to the states, and another one's inbound uh, next month, and we are selling briskly. Fantastic. And my head is spinning after that story. It might have seemed long, but when you think about how much time you've been doing this over the span of a lifetime and how much more time you have in your life, it's going to be short. It's a short story, but fascinating. So the night caddy, you are now selling, and you said earlier before we began the interview that you just had a fantastic day yesterday. How are people ordering the night caddy right now? It's day to day. We have such a short, small data set to Mm -hmm. even work with. I mean, we had a a really good um, August and we sold almost 1,300 units. Once again, we're targeting college students. So we only had sufficient industry to really ping for like that month. So we're like, is it because it's back to school and the timing is right and we were an Amazon Prime product? Uh, You know, selling probably four to one Amazon versus our own Shopify store. Or as we feel, is this not really a seasonal product? Because once you use the night caddy, which I should probably describe a bit, it's uh, not only does it hold a tablet and a phone and water and your remote and glasses, but it has a universal attachment system that um, kind of rotates to fit most beds, unless it's kind of like an adjustable bed that doesn't have the space between the two. Um, And it is uh, sold with a docking dual USB charger. So um, it snaps into the center of the organizer and then a power cord attaches underneath. So you can charge up to two devices at once simultaneously. Fantastic. And so um, it's the Night Caddy. It's an Amazon choice product. uh, And then it's also available at armsreachind.com through our own Shopify store. So the information we had and the way I'm shipping my logistics up until literally 72 hours ago, in my mind anyway, was to go about uh, at least two to three to one on shipping to Amazon and then shipping to our own fulfillment center, which we're using Elevate Fulfillment in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and they've been doing a really good job for the past couple months. However, (laughs) in the last 72 hours, we are about four to one on Shopify versus Amazon. So you're trying to build a business model and you're trying to deal with global logistics and trade issues with China and get your stuff from point A to point B and make the best decisions possible. And we're literally just getting just all sorts of new info on a day-to-day basis as to how this should run. So it's really exciting. And we're selling. Uh, We had our best day yesterday by about 30-something percent. We sold 120 units. And it's not even Black Friday or really the peak of buying season yet. So we think we can move through a significant portion of these 6,000 units in the next 60 days. That's that's spectacular. Congratulations on, on the movement and traction that you're building for your your own Shopify site. Looking back at you. w- what your story is, you started with the eyeglasses, the flip camera that flips off the side of the arm, of the camera and now your focus, you are zeroing in on the night caddy right now. I know talking to you and listening to you, you've run into so many uh, challenges, barriers that you keep overcoming. You said that you have a PhD in almost everything that you have to work on, but you keep going. So what gets you out of bed every morning to drive you 
to say, I'm going to keep doing this today? That's a good question. And just a a couple of things uh, backing around. The glasses are on kind of like the simmer. We are actually in negotiations right now with a London-based international um, IP firm that claims to have three quarters of a billion dollars in asset transactions. And they are saying that um, there are some big Silicon Valley, some of the largest companies um, in the world that are referencing a dozen of the 31 claims in our patent, family of patents. So uh, we're looking at right now potentially doing a deal with them and turning them loose to see if they can start getting us some licensing deals for the IP for wearable um, augmented reality and virtual reality. So that's a subset of things that I have going on that doesn't take a lot of bandwidth. Um, and then, you know, as regarding the PhD, uh, I'm just not classically trained in any of this. So it's just making everything up on a day-to-day basis as you go along and just being willing to do it all day, every day, um, to have the time to do it. And what gets me up is, um, I just have so many other companies and ideas in my head that I want to manifest and I can't, it takes capital to do it. And I need to have a success of these ideas to fund them, A, and B, there's a bigger, you know, I didn't have a conventional childhood. My grandmother raised me since I was 10 and I didn't have opportunity to go play sports and do, get exposed to a lot of things. you know, with the glasses, I want to do like a STEAM program for disadvantaged youth, like uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Because, you know, some of my engineer friends are like, art has enough, plenty of opportunity uh, and funding and stuff. Uh, but without art, you don't have good design. Mm-hmm. So I believe you have to have the art component as a designer. So that STEAM program would, you know, I'd like to start in Wyoming and then go across the nation and then ultimately around the world. And just, I'm sorry if, if, you've, if you have the financial wherewithal to to be exposed to it, you can't hang out with our group because it's only for kids that don't. Because you never know with the least of our, um, least of us financially that don't have the opportunity, maybe the best ideas to cure cancer or create warp drive would come out of them, right? So I want to, you know, stimulate that. And then the books are, uh, I'm sorry, the Night Caddy with college students being the um, target audience, although as I said, it really tracks across a bigger demographic. Um, I had to pay for my own college after the first two years, and I had to take two years off to get in-state tuition because uh, my grandmother couldn't afford all that. And, I, you know, books are expensive. Once again, on Penn State, they have 98000 I think I, it was my last check on, on students. So you sell them in the bookstores of all the Commonwealth uh, campuses that they have, um, and there's dozens of campuses. And then you give a, a percentage back that goes to a book scholarship. So, you know, if you got the caddy, you know, you're in a book scholarship raffle or something like that, and you have the opportunity to have free books. So those would be like two nonprofit or kind of um, give back or circle of impact. Uh, give a shout out to Ed uh, Reniger. Um, yeah, but I can take that across all the other companies that I have and all the other ideas that I have and then really affect change um, in ways that I don't even know yet. You have a big goal here. And I applaud you for it. Some people would say, I just want to make money. I just want to be successful, which I'm sure you do. But you want to make an impact and help other people who you see have a need because you have a connection with them and a relationship that you have as a child. And I applaud you for that, Bob. That's way to go. And I wish you all the successes so you can bring this vision to light and to life and really make a great impact and um, 
influence on some people's lives who really need an influence. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I just look at it as a kind of a nuclear chain reaction or something, you know, just uh, atoms bouncing off other atoms. And you just, if you can just get that catalyst going, then it, it'll self-sustain and inspire others to do that too. So. That's right. Ed was a guest on episode three. And just after he released his book, uh, The Circle of Impact Leadership. Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I just recently finished his book and it has my mind spinning. I'm thinking of so many things as far as how I can be a better leader and offer better impact and change in, in my world and my community. I uh, was in the startup intensive uh, with Ed, uh, over, you know, three years ago and, um, you know, just been, a, I don't want to say a part of his journey, but, you know, have seen him as he's, you know, got this book published and I um, have not had a chance to read it. I definitely intend to. It's literally sitting in uh, my night caddy on the other side of my bed because I have two. <laughs> one, one I use for my electronics and storing a bunch of stuff. And then I have the other one on the other side for books and reading material. But, and yeah. talking about hearing about the night caddy, I can just think about that for my son. He is a voracious reader, but has a really strong eye prescription. So he's negative 11 in one of his eyes and negative 10 in the other. So to have something on his bunk bed that he can put some books and then just put his glasses in there and a little bit of water for when he wants to have a sip of water at night, I can just imagine him loving the night caddy. So I never thought of it before until we're sitting here speaking. So oh, that's great. Well, we do have, you know, a lot of, um, you know, parents don't want their kids charging their phones or having access to all that stuff all night long. So, you know, they just take the charging unit out and it's just the caddy is simply used for beverage um, and pencils or pens and, you know, um, stuff to write on and journals and books. And so, um, yeah. So thanks. Yeah, in indeed. And, and I'm inspired by your ability day in and day out you just keep going you just keep going and whatever obstacle you face one day you break it down so as every day when you solve that problem guess what you have you have a new problem and it does not slow you down i'm sure you have bad days but just looking at you and seeing you being successful and pushing this forward i so applaud you because Talk about starting from the roots and organically. That is what you're doing. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it is a bit of a grind at times, um, and you're just like, can I, you know, where, you know, the light of the tunnel is just it's there, and you're just grinding. But I really enjoy the grind and learning, and I don't know, maybe that's why I like mountain biking. Um, I got a downhill bike, but I like to cross country more because it's just such a grind. If you're going up Farron's or going up a hill and it's just sucks sometimes, but mm -hmm. you're like, man, this is making me stronger. Right. And you can take that same for me, that application of grinding on a bike goes directly into entrepreneurship and just grinding it. And you have to be stronger than what you're grinding or you get ground. Indeed. And there's days you feel like you're getting ground and you're like paper thin, you know, you're like, wow. But yeah, I love roller coasters. So it's a roller coaster. You know, you have these like heights and then these lows and these troughs. And uh, so it's just enjoying the ride and just harnessing the fear that comes along with that. Well, I know that you will be successful with Arm Reach Industries and also Omni Wearables. So you can fulfill your vision 
of helping the children out there that need help. Um, and you will make a great impact. For you, every day, how do you keep all this organized? What do you do every day to help keep focused and make sure that something doesn't fall through the cracks? I'm a big fan of old school journals and writing. I use Google Calendar and I use you know the OneDrive and I have all the different uh, notifications and reminders. However, what I like is the four color click Bic pen. <laughs> you see they're blue and white and they got the colors. Well, I ordered a dozen uh, from Amazon of the orange ones, which are fine points, so I can get more information per page. And then the colors I use, uh, black is to-dos. Blues are, uh, if I have notes from a phone call, I have a separate journal for phone calls, but um, Sometimes it's hard to have both going at the same time. Red is code red, you know, if there's something that has to be uh, followed back on or is imperative. And then green is, you know, go and good. So I could have a black, meaning there's a call. I could have a blue note, uh, click the, to blue. And then I could have red, meaning this has to be followed through. So I can look at my journal and kind of get a, a feel for what needs to be done within the journal itself. And that kind of came about from when I was doing inventory at Snake River Brewing. Um, I like to do it myself. I probably did a little, you know, too much hands-on and could have delegated more at Snake River, but I, you know, we had inventory in the basement. We had inventory in upstairs in one of the offices. We had two different areas for cabinets, four colors, four locations, one in inventory sheet. And I could see in my head, like the representation of where everything was. So I just kind of do that with my journals. Creative. Um, I love it. I think you're the only person I've met that uses those pens for a purposeful um, use. It's, uh, it's one of my most essential tools in my kit. You know, I visualize. I believe in quantum theory. Um, I don't go to church, but I uh, pray, you know, because I know that I can visualize Visualization of you know where you want to go is important, but I also know enough and I'm humble enough to know that I don't know how to get there mm -hmm. um, to a lot of the things that I'm trying to achieve. So uh, every morning I, uh, I have my ritual of that as well, that and my pens. That and your pens. <laughs> you and the pens, I like it. Well, um, let's tell everybody again how they can connect with you if they want to reach out to you. What's the best way, Bob? Um, you could uh, find me on Facebook and do Facebook Messenger. I'm at just Bob Fusiak, F-U-Z-I-A-K. Uh, and then uh, you want more business related, you know, Bob at armsreachind.com uh, is my um, business email for the night caddy. And then also... <laughs> Robert at hindsightindustries.com. So that's hindsight, one word, and industries, um, IES, if you want to discuss wearable technology, wearable cameras, or anything of a technology nature. And there's images of the night caddy on your website, armsreachind.com, as well, so people can have a visual sense of what the night caddy is yeah if you go there we have uh you know full um shopify um you know e-commerce platform uh if you just 
go to uh, Amazon and type in The Night Caddy, you'll see um, you know our details page. And if you go to omniwearables.com, you'll see our uh, beta version of our um, wearable camera technology. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing your journey today of being and becoming who you are today. And I look forward to bringing you back onto the show when you have those nonprofit organizations launched and thriving. And we can talk about that journey as well. Oh, I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day. Thank you, Stefan. You have a great day too. Is it okay to pair beer with Beef Wellington? Does Merlot go with Red Bull? Not sure how to make the perfect bourbon and Coke? Well, the team at the liquor store of Jackson Hole can answer all of these questions plus more. Stop in at 115 Buffalo Way, Jackson, Wyoming, or visit us at tlsofjh.com to experience service that will knock your socks off. The liquor store has been serving the Jackson Hole Valley for over 35 years. Thank you everyone for tuning in today to the Jackson Hole Connection. I hope you have enjoyed listening and can take away a little nugget about life. I'm always looking for fun guests who have a connection to Jackson Hole. Know of someone who would be great to be on the show? Please send me an email to connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review The Jackson Hole Connection on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you receive your podcasts. A special shout out to my friend Luke Taylor for producing and providing the tunes for this podcast. Y'all come back again, you hear?